When Bankadelic made its maiden podcast voyage in March of 2020, the novel coronavirus was just starting to rear its ugly head, and no one knew if it would be sticking around for a week, two weeks, or a month. Well, a year later, it's still here, and so much in our world has changed. Our very first podcast guest, Jason Hendricks of the Alloy Labs Alliance, is back to review what has happened since Bankadelic Episode 1. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning into Bankadelic for a very, very special episode for me. Special because it's our one-year anniversary of being on the air. Could not have done it without you, nor could we have done it without our sponsors, the William Mills Agency, Banker Hire, and Quantic Bank. Thanks so much to our sponsors. Thanks so much to you for listening. And we thought it would be a great idea on the one-year anniversary to revisit the topic of that very first podcast, which was the coronavirus pandemic on March 10th. 2020, the pandemic was barely a blip on the radar screen compared to where it is today. If you can believe this, the number of deaths in the United States at that point was less than 20. But already, businesses and coffee shops and restaurants and you name it were all starting to shutter their doors temporarily, we thought, for maybe a month or so as the pandemic raged. And that month, that two months, that six months turned into a year. We're still waiting, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And back then, our guest on episode number one was Jason Hendricks. Jason is the chief executive officer of Alloy Labs, which is a consortium of leading community banks that work together to drive innovation and adopt new technology. Banks work together to develop and test customer insights, create fintech partnerships, execute on new ideas, and make strategic investments. Jason, welcome back to Bankadelic. Well, thanks for having me back. I'm surprised I haven't been banned yet. Well, if you're banned, I'm probably going to be banned right behind you. So while on that day when we recorded episode one, there were a grand total of 429 cases of COVID-19 in America and 19 deaths. Wow. Those are crazy data to think back just what has transpired in that time. Yeah, and 113,000 cases worldwide, which is approximately one quarter of the number of people who have died because of COVID-19 in the United States alone. And you said some things back then that really turned out to be prescient. I'll read you one of the statements you made on that podcast, quote, financial services are an essential function and they can't go on holiday. Well, how did we do? Did financial services show up? Well, they showed up in great force. But one of the interesting things that really did transpire is the number of things that banks have forever said, we can't do this. We can't, we can't, we can't. And suddenly it became, 
we must, we must, we must. Things like we can't do work from home. Like how would it work if like everyone was remote and like we can't close branches. We can't deploy new technology with this speed. We can't do digital lending, right? Like that's crazy. The speed thing. Wow. Did we prove ourselves wrong? Like just look at what banks were able to accomplish with the multiple rounds of PPP, right? All of those things, financial services really showed up. And it was almost as if you dared financial services to show up because here's something else that you said on March 10th, 2020, digital transformation hasn't gone far enough. And you challenged the banks to show up and boy, did they from your perch. What did you see happen that not only was fantastic, but is going to permanently change the landscape from here on out? One of the more subtle things, you know, we talk a lot about the customer adopting digital. And yes, that is true. Customers adopted digital. And they were going to do that anyway. I think the bigger fundamental shift for a lot of the incumbents was the realization that if we price all of our new projects really around hard ROI and near term, and we're so conservative in the industry, we almost always look at the hard costs we can cut and we don't put enough value on what the upside could be. And especially on the flexibility factors, right? Those intangibles related to some of this, that I think the shifts that a lot of the banks realized is, yeah, you know what? When we went to cloud for a bunch of these things, nowhere in that business case did we say, in case global pandemic forces us to turn on a dime and have everyone work remotely for close to a year, right? <laughs> <laughs> but those that had it, right, we have the digital haves and have nots, those that had made some good foundational investments were able to really outperform their peers. And those who didn't, and, you know, God bless him for, you know, showing up still, but the banks that threw bodies at processing PPP, and now we're trying to throw bodies at doing the forgiveness, they're going to carry it for a while. They're the ones that just don't get that these foundational investments, that building that in and building a culture of flexibility, that's what's going to create the performers of the future. Here we are, 2021. What would you pinpoint as some things that have permanently changed that we can't go back at this point? And in fact, as we look ahead, this is crucial. One of the things that became immediately evident in banks' abilities to process PPP were those that had the best data availability internally on their clients who needed things. Where was their complete data? How do we use that data? How do we get in front of those customers to communicate with them? How do we pre-fill a lot of the application for them? That, I think, has gone from being the buzzword, you know, data-driven analytics, AI, machine learning, you know, the things that are just talked about to the things that banks are actually figuring out how to go do. And I think that is going to have a trickle-down effect of a number of things technologically that need to change. One is how they're architecting, right? Like the architecture of a typical bank today, you know, whether you're a sub-billion dollar community bank up to, you know, a top five bank, we have to re-architect in new ways. It's a fundamental different approach that needs to be created. We did one deal with Andreessen Horowitz, an investment in a company called Move. And part of the thesis is, you know, right now we have vertical stacks. Most of the industry has been looking at going to what looks like a layer cake and tech architecture of the future needs to look a lot more like Legos. 
right? Because in the future, you need to be able to break off that Lego and put a more modern Lego in whenever necessary. And I think that is necessitated by data. It's going to allow APIs to really take hold, even if they're just internal APIs. And those internal APIs eventually become external APIs, right? The ability to do partnerships and create new plug and play experiences is going to become paramount. I love Lego, so this works for me. (laughs) I tried using the analogy of, you know, we went from this vertically integrated Lincoln Logs to Legos. And the person I was describing this to just kind of stared at me. I was like, never played with Lincoln Logs, huh? They're like, nope. (laughs) Now, you and I have talked off bike many times about what it means to find not just a vision, but a mission, and not just a business mission, but a mission in life. And you have really worked that through in a way that very few people I know in financial services have done. I would love to know what over this past year has been the most rewarding for you, trying to help financial institutions work through the pandemic, and just from your own point of view, creatively speaking, maybe even emotionally or spiritually speaking. Yeah. You know how passionate I am about community in general, whether that be startup communities, working with underserved communities, but the importance of community. And I think one of the hardest things personally, and you know, I'm not alone in saying this, the New York Times talks about just how communities are what got shut down, right? Whether that be the family community, the broader community we live in. And to me, at a real spiritual level, the hope I have coming out of the pandemic is a bit of a reset on how we approach the importance of community and building community. And that does play out into one of the reasons I'm so passionate about community banks is I think they play an essential role, but I think that role needs to change and how they even define community needs to change. You know, we've got the big four now. I think we see regional banks, you know, consolidate. We probably end up with eight being kind of the mega banks that provide the catch-all of all services. We still need community banks that are serving niches, but what needs to change is they can't just say, I'm gonna be a miniature size of what the big banks offer. They need to go find what that community piece means for them and what that mission becomes. Jill Castillo at Citizens of Edmond is one of my favorite examples. Her passion is Main Street, right, in Edmond, Oklahoma. And if you look at what they do, they're at the corner of Maine and Herd, you know, the Herd on Herd and that passion of supporting local business is a real mission. If you look at another one of our banks, Transportation Alliance Bank, talk about the first mobile bank. They were banking truckers. Literally, they were like on the move and had special needs in financial services. But, you know, Curtin team have dialed into what does that mean in terms of that kind of customer that we serve that isn't met by other financial institutions that say, how do we actually rethink what it is we do? Because one of my favorite parts of the pandemic and the pressure it's put on them is being a bank is not a strategy, right? Like it worked historically from the times of Medici until you know now that you take in deposits at one rate and you lend it at another. That's changing, right? We don't have those geographic moats anymore and the branch footprint is kind of the core of the experience. And I think that's going to be freeing for a lot of banks. Now, unfortunately, there's also going to be a lot of banks that don't make the leap. And unfortunately, whether it's a long or a slow glide, first into irrelevance, then obscurity, you know, I think we're going to see a massive change into what the physical footprint of banks looks like in the next three to five years. 
you really nailed it. What I've seen over here is that community can mean affinity groups, mobile homeowners or farmers or people who have interests in the creative arts. And it may be that community can be redefined in very exciting ways. Absolutely. And I think that's good for the industry. I think it's great for the customers, consumers. I think it's going to be great for the often overlooked you know, SMB and low middle market that hasn't been particularly well served. I'm passionate about fintech. You know that. And started one of the first challenger banks back in 2008. I don't think we've seen the industry and the challengers go far enough in their level of innovation. We've been, you know, continuing to put that digital lipstick on the analog pig. <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorites. Might as well just throw the other one out. You know, the fintech petting zoo where you can show up, you pat the startups on the head and you say, boy, don't we feel innovative now? <laughs> when banks get behind that and are able to really kind of with this replumbed culture, this replumbed architecture, the ability with APIs and a new approach to strategy in terms of the who they serve and the ability to you know, really partner, deep partner with some of these innovators out there and create like brand new products and experiences, not just better digital. And anyone who knows anything about you, Jason, knows that you have been an innovator from the start and that you were able to take time away from what I'm going to tell you, listeners, is an incredibly busy schedule to recap one year later. Wow. Very much appreciate it. Appreciate the insights you've shared with us today. Thanks for being on Bankadelic. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. And thanks for reminding me what I said a year ago and not pointing out everything I said that was wrong. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you very little, if anything, was wrong. Jason Hendricks is the CEO of the Alloy Labs Alliance. He's based in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can look for Jason on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C-Bank.com. This is as of today, March 10th, the number of coronavirus cases in the world, 113,000, and deaths worldwide, 4,000 plus. That's according to CNN. 
Number of cases in the U.S., 423. Coronavirus deaths in the U.S., 19. That's according to the CDC. And the big figure, as far as we're concerned on this podcast, the Dow is down 18% since February 21st. 50,000 people have recovered from the coronavirus worldwide, according to John. Three bullet points. Number one. We have the digital haves and have nots. Those that had made some good foundational investments were able to really outperform their peers. And those who didn't, they're the ones that just don't get that these foundational investments, that's what's going to create the performers of the future. Number two. Banks that had the best data availability internally on their clients who needed things That, I think, has gone from being the things that are just talked about to the things that banks are actually figuring out how to go do. Number three. We don't have those geographic moats anymore, and the branch footprint is the core of the experience. And I think that's going to be freeing for a lot of banks. Now, unfortunately, there's also going to be a lot of banks that don't make the leap. You know, I think we're going to see a massive change into what the physical footprint of banks looks like in the next three to five years. And now, Lou's Views. Since going on the air on March 10th of 2020, Bankadelic has made every effort to mature and grow as a podcast. It's also been a poignant time to look back at the pandemic, but rather than tick off a punch list of things you've all heard before, I'm going to invite you to think about what changed in your professional life and your personal life over the last year. I would like to think that one of the ways I grew was to take a step back from Bankadelic, from financial services, from all the things I do professionally, and think and pray about what matters most. Jason Hendricks on the podcast talked about the aspect of community being a driver in his career. For me, community became a lifeline. Now, that was especially challenging in a year of shelter in place and Zoom fatigue. But ironically, there was a communal aspect in being stuck in this together and trying to figure out ways to bond. We leaned more than ever on our community connections in the business world to get things done. But for me personally, it was a matter of survival. As we surface from the worst of the pandemic, vaccines being distributed, a really wonderful spring and summer promise ahead, we can take with us what we've learned and hopefully see it change our lives, not just for the better, but forever. How did you grow? over the last year. Think about it, embrace it, and congratulate yourself for getting through. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the coffee shop thinking about another iced mocha. Until next time, so long.
Frankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.